Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I have a guest joining us. We're going to be talking with Therese Plummer. She's an audiobook narrator, and we're going to be also talking about summer and summer books and books that heavily feature summer. I was asking Gail what she was going to say. She told me a little bit about what she was going to say because I was trying to figure out what I was going to say because I sometimes, I don't know that I think about seasons. Okay. But we'll we'll get into what we've been reading and and we'll get into, you know, I'll I'll see what I can come up with for summer books. All right. Well, first, yeah, let me introduce Therese. Therese is personally one of my all-time favorite audiobook narrators. She is got a great delivery, great performance. She can do a wide range of characters and settings and styles. I know she does all kinds of genres I never read, like romance. I don't know. We'll let you talk a little bit about the styles you do, but you have narrated some of my favorite books, including, I think the first one I ever heard you do maybe was Faith by Jennifer Haig. And I remember I was with this group of narrators and I said, oh, there's this one narrator. She's so amazing. And she wrote, she did Faith. I was like, her name's Therese. And they're like, oh, she's standing right over there. And I was like, what? We met and and I think Nicole, you and I were both there. We met in a bar and. I was about to say, did, did I? Therese, have we did we meet at that audiobook gathering? I feel like we've met. I've, yeah, that blogger luncheon. I, yeah, we definitely did. Anyway, uh, we've been friends for a long time and I have followed your recordings and I always seek out books that you've recorded. But just a little bit of background. Therese has been recording books for about 15 years. She's recorded over 400 books. She's won lots of awards, including most recently an earphone award. We are so excited to have you on the show. So welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's fun. Yes. We love talking to people who who are passionate about books and you definitely are from, you know, many reasons <laughs> and many angles. Absolutely. All right. So we usually kick off the show with uh, Nicole and me checking in with each other and we will add you to the group of what you've been reading and what, you know, what's different from the last time we talked. So Nicole, you want to kick us off? Well, not much is different. I don't think by the last from the last time we've talked. I haven't had as much reading time as I normally like because it's just been one of those busy, just busy work life. So I'm trying to think, I mean, you'll laugh because I'm still listening to the audio version of Laura Lippman's Sunburn. Okay. I don't know if I've gotten much further than that. And then I started a book by Susan Richards Shreve called more news tomorrow. And oh, it is about I'm intrigued by that book. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's good so far. It's about an older woman. She is I believe she's just mm-hmm. turned 70. Her mother was killed when she was four years old. And her father was arrested for the crime before Ooh. he can tell her his story. He dies of pneumonia in prison. On the eve of her 70th birthday, she gets a letter from one of the, well, actually, maybe this is my summer book. This took place on a lake. (laughs) And someone who was 11 years old at the time was there. So I guess he is now contacting her to, to let her know that he was there and to possibly meet. And she drags her family on this adventure to go and canoe the lake and to go to this place where her mother was killed, you know, 60 something years ago. So it's, it's all about that. And I'm just getting into it. And, and so far, it's really good. That sounds great. Give me the name again. I'm going to write it down. (laughs) More news tomorrow. More news tomorrow. And who's the author? Susan Richards Shreve. I like that we're getting a lot more novels about a variety of people. 
There's this certain subsection of people that we're always reading about. It's either if it's college in their 20s or the more middle established, just starting families or that point where people become empty nesters, but we really don't get to see. I mean, I haven't read a lot of books where people are 70 and above. So it's nice that a few books are starting to do that. Also, Signet by Season Butler explores a community of older people who have decided to live together on this island that's slowly falling apart. She is a local author. She lives in D.C. and she has written actually a lot of books about that are set in D.C. She wrote one called You Are the Love of My Life, which came out somewhat recently. And I remember I actually bought that for my mom because she's my mom's age. And I thought my mom would like it. It had a lot of DC references. And my mom liked it and gave it back to me. So I have it here, which I can read. And then she also wrote like this autobiographical or memoir about living, going to this like um, hot springs uh, when she was young because she had some disease that they were trying to cure and sort of all about like growing up in the 40s. I don't know. She definitely is a uh, is a DC, uh, like a sort of a fixture around DC and sort of like, you know, she does a lot of readings and stuff here. This was really interesting because I didn't know that she was from DC. I do believe that Georgie, the character, she lives in DC. She's raised her family in DC. And her eldest son in the book is a part of Obama's campaign. And that's been, that's, you know, it's, that's been mentioned a couple of times. And I was wondering, I was like, hmm, what is the Obama connection? Like, why is this being mentioned mm. so many times? Uh, you know, just sort of like, how is that gonna, if it will play into the story, but she definitely mentions how he, when her son comes to visit, it is always with the permission of the campaign and, or she will mention at what stage he's in and how he's taking a little break from that. So that's interesting. Yeah. And she's got one kid who's an author and one kid who lives in my neighborhood, who is a literary agent. So she's, she's got like lots of very connected. Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Therese, how about you? Well, I wanted to say the summer that made us by Robin Carr, you know, it's not a conversation unless I bring up Robin Carr. <laughs> so you, you said, Gail, that you, you don't, you know, there's a lot of the romance stuff that I narrate mm -hmm. that you haven't had a chance. But so this, I had to go back because I've done so many of Robin's books, but this one specifically, is it okay if I just read the summary to you guys? Um, sure. It's only a couple sentences. Okay. It's a television talk show host who returns to her childhood summer home to rebuild her life after she's fired for falling ratings and the returns bittersweet um, as the house has been neglected for years. She's flooded with memories of the wonderful summer she spent with her sisters and cousins before a tragic event changed everything. Working to uncover what really happened the last summer they're all together, she reaches out to her family and the women all gather for an uneasy family reunion. As they share their stories, they realize the recollections of their summer childhoods are vastly different, and no one's lives are what they dreamed of when they were children. But being together again helps them all to heal from the scars of the past. So it's based in the summer. That's what we, that was our goal here, right? Mm -hmm. Is to get a book. <laughs> okay, okay. Because <laughs> it was that, and then I also had a little blog on the prairie, which is a YA book. And I don't know why, but I have this family that emailed me and they said they listen to little blog on the prairie every summer when they go on their family vacation. Cause it's so funny. And it's basically a, a sleepaway camp for these teenagers. Well, like kind of tweens and uh, they have to reenact little house on the prairie. <laughs> so they have to live in the log cabins and basically go without cell phones and electronics. And as you know, <laughs> it's completely traumatizing <laughs> for, for a tween. Um, but yeah, so those were my two. They're light and bright, you know, super fun little reads for the summer. Got it. Okay. I like that idea of little blog on the prairie. That's really cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my update on what I have been reading is, let's see, I finished The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth, which we've talked about on the show. It's definitely 
sort of in, I put it in the popcorn camp. It's definitely a th- sort of domestic thriller, but it has some unexpected twists to it. Some, some twists and turns I didn't expect. And it was a very, very easy and quick read. So um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, the premise is that this woman has been murdered it's meant to look like a suicide. And then the question is, was it a suicide or was she murdered and who murdered her? And then you sort of realize there's a lot of people who are hiding things who may have had reasons to do it. And um, by the end, it kind of, the mystery unravels and you figure out who it was. It was good. I liked that one a lot. And I, that was one of the books that we had talked about early on our summer reading list, Nicole. So glad I read it. I'm about a third of the way into Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok, and it's getting very engrossing. I will report when that is done, but I'm liking that. That also has a thriller element to it. The main character has disappeared, and her sister is trying to hunt her down. So there's the mystery of where she went, but you also follow her in the days leading up to her disappearance. So you're getting this story from a number of angles and it's good. I'm doing that one on audio and it's got three narrators for the three main characters. And uh, I'm enjoying that one a lot. Love it. And I think I'm going to pick up normal people next, which is just like so buzzy this summer. And I don't know, I need, I need my next read. So I either read that or I'll maybe try to knock something off my summer, my 2019 reading challenge, which I've been neglecting terribly. So <laughs> I may read, I may read, or I may just read the Howard Stern book. So I don't know. <laughs> oh. Or you might just continue to neglect it. Yeah. I might. Ne- well, actually. <laughs> no shame. I, no shame. I think the, uh, I think the Howard Stern book, could that be nonfiction? Does that count? It's nonfiction. Yeah. I, I mean, like I mean <laughs> he's not making it up. <laughs> True. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like a bit of a cheat for nonfiction. I also want to read Bad Blood. So I don't know. I got a lot of directions I could go, but that's the status of where I am right now. Bad blood is so good. Completely different direction than I know. And everyone says it's like, it reads like fiction. Like it's so engrossing. It's like reading a novel. Everyone says. I love it. I love all the stories we just talked about. And I spent the last six six hours today in the studio recording Halo Battleborn, which is book two in the Halo Young Adult series. They, they're redoing the sci-fi series with a cast of young adults and um, basically was on a planet today fighting wars <laughs> <laughs> and acting out young teenage boys and girls. And uh, I had a couple really good chuckles. My director said to me, you have to take it seriously. <laughs> I was like, I am taking it seriously. <laughs> brought out the surfer voice yeah so, so i love this so what what genres would you say are the most common that you narrate well recently it, it's changed because in the very beginning it was just all romance all the time and you, you know i had to use a pseudonym because some of them were extra saucy but <laughs> how um, did you get now, through those extra saucy oh readings i mean <laughs> throb were there any throbbing members like how do you <laughs> In how do you voice book. how do you voice that <laughs> i think that's why i can't listen it? to audiobooks that, like that just yeah, like get, i mean like i would be creeper re- reaching <laughs> for the 30 second skip ahead button until I was <laughs> you're basically on a train and you're blushing because it's just like oh my gosh this is happening right now <laughs> well it's even more awkward because as the narrator you go through the sex scenes you're i'm the man i'm the woman i'm the narrator <laughs> I mean, I'm basically having a threesome. Oh my god! Okay, keep this clean. <laughs> I know, but it it you learn to just read the words, right, and bring this bring it to life. But now I do a lot less romance. I mean, I always do Robin Carr that has a romance in it, but it's a lot more historical. I just finished historical fiction, The Age of Light, and A Bend in the Stars with Eduardo Ballerini. Did you guys hear about either of those books? I heard about The Age um, of Light. It was on my list of things that I wanted to read. It was yeah. at the Whitney Shearer. Whitney Shearer, yeah, yeah. And and then um, a lot of like thrillers and mysteries have been coming up. Um, the Perfect Stranger, did you guys hear about that one? Where the woman comes home and she's 
Someone's literally moved into her house and has oh, the I've deed. Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, I want to read that. She, she went on vacation and comes home and someone is in the house and she can't get in. The cops are like, he owns the house. It's, it's your worst oh, nightmare come oh, true. God. Yeah. And then it, it, you know, rolls out that it's, he knows that she's done something from her past and it all gets super dark and twisted. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. I've wanted to read that. But, yeah. Yeah. So did I even answer the question? You were like, how do you do the, this, oh, the throbbing member? No, we've moved <laughs> past that, right? We're not, we're not going back. Gail's like, please, please. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm actually, I, I, I do get curious about that. Like I was reading, what was I listening to? I guess it was um, The Hating Game, which has lots and lots of sex in it. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of buildup. I mean, the sex itself is, there's not a whole ton of that but it's there's just like it's very like sexual tension throughout the entire book and i just it i was just imagining like being that narrator like you have to kind of get into it like otherwise it's not convincing and i just i just i don't know i I thought she did a good job with it actually well i want to ask you guys as listeners if you even you know is it like when you're listening to the audiobook, because I'm, I'm usually just recording them. I don't have time that much to li- I listen more to podcasts, but is it like a movie in your head as you're listening to it? So it's not like super creepy, but you're kind of watching maybe 50 shades of gray or <laughs> is it not, is it, is it a completely different experience? Um, that's a great question. I, that's probably hard for us, especially for romance. Cause I feel like I, I just don't really listen to romance too much. Well, how about anything? How about any other But anything, audiobook? I think it really depends. I mean, some people do it more where it, it's reading and you feel more like it is reading. And then some people are more dramatic where you can just really get into it. Yeah. What about you, Gail? What do you prefer? Yeah, Gail. I, that's a great question. I'm trying, to ima- I'm trying to figure out in my mind if there's a differentiation between what I picture in my head when I'm reading versus audio. I think audio, because there's an actual voice that I can ascribe to the character. Like I just finished an audio book for um, Forever is the Worst Long Time by Camille Pagan. And this guy, his voice, it was written in the first person, told like a like he's writing a book. And he became that character very much for me. So I had mm. that. I was sort of it, – it It placed me ahead in that I didn't have to imagine what this guy's voice was like because I could hear it. And when you hear someone's voice, you sort of then start to picture them. So I do think that listening to an audiobook lends itself to a more like cinematic experience in that it, you can you can actually picture things more. But – Very cool. At the end of the day, I don't think that my appreciation for books is really much different between audio and print. Like – my I think retention. mine is very different. Well, because with audiobooks, I'm very careful with what I listen to. Like I listen to a lot more thrillers or things that can just be taken more at face value than maybe say literary fiction, just because, you know, you're interpreting, you're interpreting the work for the audience. So depending on how you place your emphasis on words or what you're emphasizing or what your I would think your take on the book and how you want to present it, you know, there's a slant on it. And it's easier for me if that slant is on something that in a way is like less serious or more thriller, because I think Mm -hmm. it's harder to deviate from, it's harder to insert a different meaning into something like that than it is say for literary fiction. That's awesome. It is so, so cool for me to hear what it's like for you guys as listeners, because all I'm doing is yakking all day, just (laughs) bringing it all to life. And so I have that experience, right? And creating it from that side, but to hear your side is is fascinating for me. I I find sometimes my emotional connection to a book is stronger when I do listen to it on audio than when I do it in print, because I'm in kind of a relationship with the narrator. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I will be in the car with that narrator for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, very focused and I'm very like involved. And I feel this connection to that person. 
Um, and it's great when it's uh, a memoir because then you're really getting a, you know, you, you, that's a real person that you're feeling connected to and you're, and you're hearing their words and you're hearing their story. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm such a big fan of, of audio and audio books and they have really, I think, transformed my reading life in the last, you know, 10 years or so. Can I ask one other question sure. and we'll go back to the list that we have? <laughs> when people say they, they, they refer to audiobooks as they've been reading, how do you guys, what do you guys think about that or feel about that? Like they will actually, if they listen to an audiobook, they'll say that they've read the book. I'm totally in favor that- of that. <laughs> right? I, wait, what did you I'm say? I'm totally in favor of that. I completely, I, I mean, <sighs> I think that's, you know, you've, you've, yeah. The story is from, has gone from the page to your head, to your brain. It has been consumed. It has been consumed. And who cares how you do it? Oh, I love it. I, I don't, love it. Yeah, I don't understand when people are like, well, people will post on Facebook in various groups and they'll be like, well, I did on an audio. Does that count? And I'm like, of course it counts. And in fact, <laughs> it takes longer mm-hmm. to listen to an audio book than, than to read it. So, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about time commitment, it's it's a greater time commitment. So, I, I completely think And if a blind person listened to yes. an audiobook, you would not say that they did not read the book. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't be Absolutely. like, oh, you're blind and you had to listen to it. So, you know, you have, yeah. And I, I think, I think you read the book. I think the world agrees. I mean, this... This seems to be a completely golden age of audiobooks right now. It seems like they're they have exploded. People, I think, it's along growing with more than anything else, right? And along yeah. with the ascension of podcasts, has come the ascension of audiobooks because people have so many options for like personal audio devices, and we all live in these little hermetic worlds now where we listen to, a, mm-hmm. you know, our iPhones mm-hmm. everywhere we go, whether it's music or podcasts or streaming or whatever it is, and. And I think it's great because people are able to consume more books because they're doing it on audio and they're, they're you know, do, incorporating into their commute or into their run or while they're cleaning the house in a way that they were never able to do before. So I am a, I, I think it's completely legit to say that it's, that you've read a book when you've done it on audio. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's so insightful. I, you know, these are things that I think about and I'm like, I have to ask somebody who actually listens. So thank you. Oh, yeah. What else do you want to know? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) What are the other questions? Um, I don't know. When I think of them, I'll I'll spout them out. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, we want to ask you the questions that we always ask our guests when they come on the show. So we've already talked about what you're reading. Mm-hmm. What tell us about an author that you have read and read can be interpreted however you like all of their books. If there is one. I well I've done Robin I've done 3 series of Robin Cars which has uh been 30 books total. So you have the benefit so that 35. for your job you've read so oh my god all of the books I've read by so <laughs> Well, and I've got to read them twice. So I prep them and I get all my characters straight and I get the whole arc of the story, accents, words, whatever I need. And then I go into the studio and then I, I don't want to say I read it. I perform it. Mm -hmm. I bring it. I love that you use the word relationship when you listen to an audiobook with a narrator. That is the coolest description. You know, I, when I talk to people, I kind of describe the intimacy of the earbuds, right? And, or you're sitting in your car and how the acting is different from, you know, stage or TV or film versus creating all these worlds just through your voice. But when you just said that, the relationship, to hear that from a listening perspective, I don't know why. That just made me so happy. (laughs) So happy. And I think it's because it's such a solitary art form. And unless, you know, most of the times I do have an engineer or, hopefully a director, which I have this week. And it's, you know, the three of us and it's amazing, but a lot of times it's just me mm-hmm. and all my characters. And so it's very, very sol- solitary. And to hear that, like there's a relationship, it takes me out of that booth and reminds me like, oh, someone's actually listening to this and, and getting something from it. So it takes it out. Anyway, that's awesome. I love that you said that. Oh, good. Well, I, I feel <laughs> I, that way. Like, um, I've told this to Nicole before, like I've listened to some, you know, like I'll listen to like the Phil Collins memoir, the Bruce memoir, Michelle Obama or something. And then I'm like, 
oh, I know them really well now. <laughs> of course, mm-hmm. they yeah. have no idea who I am, but I, they feel like we're friends. That's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Robin, of all the books, I haven't read like every single one, but I, I think three series is sufficient to say I've read most of her stuff. <laughs> and then did you guys know that Netflix bought Virgin River, which is her first series that I ever narrated? And I am in the second episode. I got a part on that show. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's so exciting. So Virgin River is coming out in November on Netflix. And yeah, I'll be in the second episode. How You'll did that come me. about? Well, the literary agent of Robin was like, Robin and I have such a, the audiobooks have such a big fan base along with her books. And so we're kind of a little team now, right? Since I've been doing the three series. And when Netflix bought Virgin River, her literary agent thought it would be awesome if we could incorporate me somehow. And I said, well, I'm an actor. I'd, I'd love to audition. So they, I reached out to the producer. She put me in touch with the casting directors. I did a on-film audition. I booked the role. I flew out to Vancouver, filmed for two days, and that's it. And so the show will finally go up in uh, November. But it was crazy. That's to so be exciting. To be on a TV set of a world that we created in the studio, right, through Robin's books. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing Jack's bar, like in real life. <laughs> and I'm seeing freaking Doc's cabin. And it's all built. And it's in front of me. I am lose. I'm like a little kid at Christmas. I was losing my shit. I was like, oh, my God, this is the world we created. And everyone's looking at me like, oh, wait, is this the audiobook girl? Like, what's going on? <laughs> How like, special. Too. Yeah, really, like full circle, full circle. That's very so, cool. How would yeah, you say that working say. on audiobooks have has changed over the 15 years that you've been doing it? Because I feel like we, I, you know, Gail and I, we talked to narrators before. And sometimes, you know, it, you hear stories about they get the book like the day before and not a lot of care. Not, not that I would say not a lot of care, but. I don't think that things... You can say that. And we talked about... <laughs> we talked to Jean Kwok about this because I asked her how involved she was in the process of picking a narrator for her books. And um, it just seems like people are putting... Now that it, it's bigger and, you know, we have people hooked on audio, people are investing a lot more. So do you get more preparation time? I am super lucky. And I think it's because I've been doing this as long as I have. I've never gotten a script the day before. I may have gotten one a couple days before, but, and, and at that point, I have to talk to the producer and say, look, we've got a, this is a rush job and I don't normally work this way. So, you know, we work something out, but I think because people through ACX and through independent recording are able to do this a lot cheaper than what the union wages will pay us that have been in the industry as long as we have, um, they're just kind of shuttling the work out to the home studios and to the, the home records. And I don't know the quality, but I have heard through the grapevine, it's not great at times. I don't know. Can you guys vouch for that? Or have you just basically listened to the, the top publish, publisher type of stuff like Penguin Random House, Macmillan, Hachette, that kind of stuff? I mean, those are pretty the- much... Yeah, those are the yeah. publishers I tend to listen to because those, I mean, they do the better job of getting titles into the hands of reviewers or they're, those are just the books that I read. Yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing industry to be a part of and I understand why people want to do it. I also understand that as a business, they're going to try to get as much done for the least amount, right? And so who knows where it's getting shopped out to. And I remembering that this is being recorded and I don't want to throw myself under the bus, but it's just the nature of the beast, right? It's, um, I think sometimes it's quantity over quality and, but a lot of the, the top producers and publishers are still very, very married to quality and they'll have a director in the booth and they'll have you plenty of time to prep your script. They'll have people looking up the words for you, you know, like a research team, um, they do a, a top-notch job and you can tell because when you listen to it right it's just it's a different experience mm-hmm. anyway yeah i mean i would say all of the books i listen to that 
the quality is great. Yeah, I mean, I never hear. It's funny. The last book I read, I'd listened to, or a few ago, there was a mispronunciation of a um, of a part of San Francisco, of a neighborhood in San Francisco. Uh, I'm trying to think of which book that was. The narrator is it sourdough. No, no, they <laughs> called it No Valley instead of Noe Valley. Okay. Oh, I was listening to My Ex Life. That's right. It was okay. My Ex Life by Stephen McCauley, and the narrator was talking about No Valley, which I know is Noe Valley. And I thought, now, how did nobody pick that up? Because that's mm. pretty. Anyone who spent any time in San Francisco would know that that's how it was pronounced. That one, I felt like there were a couple I little what things, the but like. Thought. Well, he probably didn't listen to it until after it was done. Yeah. I'm sure he was annoyed because it's jarring when you know San Francisco. Um, Well, you know what's incredible too? Yeah, it is jarring. And I've actually gotten called out on some of that as well. But when we've looked up stuff on the internet, and a lot of times you'll go to Forvo for um, foreign pronunciations mm. or different websites, the information isn't always accurate. Who knew? <laughs> right. So you go so to look it up and it's still wrong. Yeah. Well, these and are so people. You've done the research. Yeah. I mean, everything is by yeah. people and, and who knows how they're sourcing. Exactly. Exactly. So, oh, it's not a perfect science. Interesting. But it's hard when it's, yeah, especially if you're from the area, you're like, no. Right. No. Right. The cringe. Yeah. Now, the next question for you is: Tell us a book that everyone else has read, but you have not read. You know, I was looking at this question before, and I can't. I have a ton of books that I've read that nobody else, has read. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't think. Of, can you guys give me yours, and then maybe that'll jog something in me? Or can someone? I can't think of book everyone else has read, but I have. Um, ours are Harry, oh, Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah, oh, that's I haven't the, read that's, Harry Potter. I feel like that's the answer that we <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read it. all come up with. Or Game of Thrones. I haven't yes, read those. Yes, I was yeah. thinking that I've never read or watched anything having to do with Harry Potter or Game of Thrones. Oh. How about you? I started reading the first Game of Thrones, but I didn't finish. Mm. They're big books. I don't yeah, feel and then they're just I not really, really. Yeah, those are. I guess <laughs> we, we have a podcast that's basically about literary fiction and domestic suspense. <laughs> so it, we're just. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I watched the series because my cousin made me watch Game of Thrones with her. You know, and I got into it because there's other things going on. Yeah, I mean, dragons and magic. I veer into the magical a little bit more than Gail will, but. For the most part, yeah, those those just we aren't our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have not read the two that I get nailed on the most because people are like, oh, you're a book blogger. What would you think of The Goldfinch? And I didn't read The Goldfinch. And then they go, oh, what did you think of A Little Life? And I go, I didn't read A Little Life. And then I feel really lame because I feel like that's like the litmus test for whether you're like a legit reader. <laughs> So <laughs> like I failed. I failed. I failed. I was like, but I read like fifty other books last year. So I, it's just I don't know. Those two just like soared up into the you know the stratosphere, and then I I actually tried to read a little life. Nicole and I both started a little life. She got further than I did. We both put it down. And I I don't know. I I just haven't really been too inspired to pick it back up. And the Goldfinch. I don't know. I just like if for whatever reason it didn't appeal to me. And now it's coming out as a movie. Maybe I'll just do that. Oh, I didn't even realize it was coming out as a movie. Oh, yeah, like this summer, I think. It's uh, Nicole Kidman. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. That'll be good. I think it will be good. So I feel kind of lame that I never read them or Harry Potter, but. I fell asleep during the first Harry Potter movie (laughs) in the movie theater, I believe. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Drawn out. Um, Okay. What is a book that you did read that because everyone else loved it, but you did not like it? I think Daring Greatly. I was trying to get into that, the audio book. I think I liked The Power of Vulnerability. I'm super into Brene Brown, but something about, no, that's not true. Oh, this is hard. I feel like all the books I've read, I've really enjoyed. Well, right, that's good. You know how to pick good ones. I, 
I d- <laughs> yeah, or you can't well, say because they're books you've recorded, so you can't admit that you didn't like them. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! I'm gonna say it. Oh no! Oh, I have to do this very, very gently. Okay, so I can't say the name because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but there's a series, and it might be under my pseudonym. It might not. I can't say. That is so popular. And I am like, I struggle. <laughs> that was so vague, but that's all I can do. I'm now sorry. we want to know what your pseudonym is, but we won't We won't expose you. Right. I mean, if, if I heard one minute of you under your pseudonym, I would know it was you. Yeah. Well, they, they outed me. They're like, we know this is Therese. But I'm like, oh, you guys, gosh almighty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what were yours? What's the book that you loved that, oh, that you didn't like? Yeah, we've talked about little, these. Let's see. Little B by Chris Cleave was one of them. Yeah, Little B. Yeah, Everyone um, loved Little, little okay. B. Little Fires Everywhere I didn't like. Ah. Uh, did you guys read Educated? Yes. I did. I listened to it. Ah, uh, Julia. It was good. It was good. It's funny. I like um I like Julia Whalen as a narrator a lot. I actually found that her narration, her performance of that book affected my the way I interpreted that book. And I talked to a lot of people who read it in print who had a very different view than I did. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and I wonder if it was the audio narration. I mean, I think that because the subject matter was so difficult, she performed it in a almost dispassionate tone. Mm. Maybe because that's what she needed to do to kind of get through it. Because mm. it's what's going on on the page is so awful. Okay. But then what it did to me was it made me feel as though the author – had not yet like sort of emotionally processed what had happened and that it oh. felt like she wasn't angry enough or she wasn't emotional enough. Well, you, That's interesting. And, and I you read it in with print, you. right? And I read it in print and I agree with you. And I've had conversations. I think that that book is just sort of polarizing, but I've had a lot of conversations with different people and just feeling like that book was just not, just feeling like it was too soon for that book to to be published you know like yes i know that there's a certain moment that's going on here i just feel like there was a lot that was either reading between the lines of what was going on there you just i just got this feeling that so much more was going on that either the author was choosing not to put in the story or that she just hasn't dealt with yet Mm -hmm. and then there was a lot of it too you get to the end and it sort of seems unresolved. So it's almost like, I think that this is definitely maybe the time people are, are looking for these stories from people who have not grown up in traditional ways in the United States or looking for these other voices that have contributed, you know, what's contributing to the way the United States is at this moment in time. So we're getting all of these narratives that are sort of like that. And I feel like I would put her into that place, but I just, you know, it just didn't feel complete to me Mm -hmm. or it was just so horrible. And I don't know. And then it just sort of ended. So I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it. I totally agree. So maybe it wasn't the narration. For no, me, I don't maybe because I agree with you it completely. It was the narration, and I also think that certain people. I mean, I also think that sometimes we like books. You know, it's like I don't know these books that are published about people who have made it out of awful circumstances, and I haven't worked through my feelings on this, so I can't really articulate it well. But you know, we read these books about ooh, look at how awful this is, and. I don't know. I don't have an answer for those books. And sometimes when I read them, it's just like, okay, so how does this help? Or what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. This story. I felt that way about Maid, too. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Jinx. Yeah, really. (laughs) That's uh, that's on my TBR. That's interesting. Yeah. Is it because there wasn't any kind of, I know we're, we're, getting towards the end, but is it, is it because it just kind of ended abruptly? Like, would it have felt 
if there was more kind of, I don't know, I keep thinking about Wild by Cheryl Strayed, my absolute favorite book and movie and just kind of an awesome journey. But is it, it, do you think you felt that way? Because it, like you said a couple of times, it just kind of ended abruptly. And would it have been a little bit more gratifying if there was more kind of resolution or more like catharsis at the end? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think I started, Maybe. I guess who pioneered this or the first time that I came across any kind of writing that was like this awful fiction and not awful nonfiction or memoir told in such a dispassionate way was probably Jeanette Wall's The Glass Castle. And I didn't like that book at the, you know, it was, it was a new sort of, I think it was a new thing where, where people kind of left you with these terrible experiences. Like the glass castle is very matter of fact, which I can appreciate because I think that that's how she looks at her life and she doesn't look at herself as a victim. And she tells you about the benefit that she got from growing up in a family as troubled as she was. So it's a book that I can kind of appreciate in hindsight. I think when I first read it, it was so jarring for me because it was such a different perspective and such a different way of presenting it. And so now I think that it's more common to have like these books, these narratives of these people overcoming very troubling situations. And I don't want to, mm. you know, I don't say, I wouldn't undermine that, but some of them I feel like with with Jeanette Walls, I feel like she had processed what happened to her. So when she presented that story, it was told with a certain point of view. And, and whether it was drawing for me and how I can appreciate it in hindsight, that's kind of two different things. But now I feel like we're sort of getting these narratives that's just like, yeah, two years ago that this is what was happening to me. And I just don't... Oh, that makes sense. Not getting yeah. from it that... This has yeah. truly been processed in a way that, okay, I'm going to tell you my story and this is what I feel about it. It's like, I just feel like I heard an awful story and I'm not even sure that she knows how she feels about it yet. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's almost voyeuristic in a way, isn't it? Right, and, and like, then I kind of feel like, okay, so what do I do with all of this that has been dropped <laughs> on me? <Yeah. laughs> and I'm not sure how to process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. that's a lot. Yeah. Cool. All right, so we are running a bit out of time. So let's, Nicole, why don't you and I each do our summer, the book that makes us think of summer, or the two books that make us think of summer, before we finish. Okay, well, I just read a book that is set in the summer, makes me think of summer, because it, it was the book Devotion by Madeline Stevens, which is coming out in July, so you can get your whole list ready. I really enjoyed this book. It is about a nanny who is very envious, I would say, of the life of her employer. Her employer is this woman who's grown up with wealth. She has talent. She's beautiful. And she wants, she wants her life. You know, she start, there's things about her life that she really would like to experience for herself. And it is just about their relationship and how it develops. Part of the well, most of the book, I think, is set over the summer over a couple of experiences. One, she travels with her with her with her employer to this writer's retreat upstate because she's trying to be a writer, and it also partially takes place in the Hamptons. So there's lots of just summer summer people activity. I want it was a really book. good book. It does sound really I good. Think you would, I think you would like it because, you know, it's sort of, you think it's going to have um, a thrillery aspect and not to say, you know, there's definitely the p push pull of what's going to happen in this relationship with each other, but it's, it's deeper and it has just some heft in terms of her thinking about her circumstances and her life and her relationship with her father and maybe what she's running away from because she's from a small town and she ends up in New York. And then, you know, just about, I guess, privilege and what it means to be privileged and, and how different people experience that, you know, the privilege themselves, plus um, someone who comes from much poorer circumstances. Okay. 
Um, so when I was thinking about books that remind me of summer or where summer plays a big role, the two that came to mind for me were, first of all, The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer, which the, the first section of that is all about this group of kids who meet at summer camp. They call themselves The Interestings. That's where the, the book gets its title. And their book follows them much later into life, but it, they're really their seminal years of friendship are at this summer camp for kind of arty kids. And I thought it did a nice job of capturing that feeling of, you know, summer possibility. There's just things that happen in summer that just don't happen the rest of the year. There's mindsets in this feeling of like, I don't know, aspiration or like, excitement. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like summer is just a very special time of year. So that book did a nice job of, of capturing it. And the second book that I thought of was Little Children by Tom Parada. And that is that takes place over a summer and it's about a uh, a man and a woman who are not married who get romantically involved over the summer. I mean, they're not married to each other, they're married to other people. And they have this affair and it kind of takes place like at the pool. They're both taking taking care of their kids. They they each have kids about the same age and they end up hanging out a lot that summer and they develop this affair. And then the question at the end is, are they going to kind of jettison their lives and get together and run away together and try to make it work? Or are they going to go back to their marriages? And uh, it was made into a movie, which you may have seen. I think it was Kate Winslet. And Patrick Wilson, maybe. I can't remember who played the guy. I'll have to look that up. But that book, there's this just so many scenes taking place at the pool. And I think about that all the time, the kind of suburban summer, suburban American summer. And, and you know, it's kind of set like so many of his books are. And it's kind of like the the emotionally bereft suburbs. And I don't know. I thought that one was pretty good. So those are my summer picks. I would add the smart one to that. By Jennifer Close. Oh, that play. That's a quintessential sort of summer book where this older woman, she has a house, you know, she's raised her family and each summer they Uh, go up to, um, where is it? I don't know if it's Maine. I want to say it's Maine or Um, I'm not sure, but at any point. At any rate, in this book, all of her Ooh, kids I have the book right here, Nicole, tell you. are at different places in their lives. And <laughs> so they come up for the summer very much at loose ends with themselves. I think one has sort of canceled her job, canceled her wedding. One may have quit their job. And it's just about how she, how the family all interacts when they're up there for the summer. It's the reverse empty nest syndrome. It's like when all of the birds come back to the nest (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they have problems. Mm -hmm. Children returning, adult children. (laughs) Well, that's the the best part of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Returning to the nest or returning home. Yeah. This was fun. You guys have, oh my goodness. I want to hear more of your episodes because I just, I wrote down all the books you just talked about and I'm, so excited to finally have a, if I ever get a chance to read a book of my own, like the one that I want to read, (laughs) I'm going to grab one of these. Well, I want to give our listeners a little Therese Plummer primer. So if they are interested in literary fiction, which they probably are because they listen to this show and they'd like to hear some books that you have narrated. um, I just want to give some of my favorites of your books so that people can check them out. So um, Faith, I mentioned at the top of the show, that's by one of my all-time favorite authors, Jennifer Haig. And it's about a Catholic priest who is accused of, is he accused of molesting? I can't, I'm trying to remember now what it was he was accused of. He is molesting a little boy. Molesting a little boy. And it's about the impact of those accusations on his family, his siblings, and you know whether they stand by him, whether they don't. Um, so it's, you know, classic Jennifer Haig kind of family uh, analysis. It's so good. And so good. Um, the second one is a book that no one ever talks about, but you narrated and I loved it so much called The Blessings by Elise oh, Juska. Thank you. Oh, no one ever does. I talk know. About and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah, that was a good one. Philadelphia. 
Yes, that was a great book. Another one of those kind of family, like all these different things that happened to this large, sprawling Catholic family over time. And mm-hmm. oh, it was so good. I love that book. Mm. <laughs> and then the third one is Perfect Little World by Kevin Wilson. I, it's funny, I saw him at Book Expo because he has a new book coming out. And I he signed the new book and I said, you are so lucky because you got the best narrator for Perfect Little World. <laughs> I told him that, and he was. Um, he said he was really excited. He really liked the the narration. Did you also do the Family Fang? I did. Okay, I did. Oh, are you doing his new so one? Kind. I have no idea. All right, well, maybe what's I, the new one about? Do we the know? new one is about someone. It's it's about kids who. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, and it sounds really awful, but I think it's like a comedy. It's about kids who like spontaneously burst into fire. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's like it's kind of absurd. Love his imagination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh here. I'm gonna gonna look it up. Um, Did you see the movie The Family Fang that Jason Bateman and uh, Nicole Kidman were in? I I'm trying to remember if I saw. I think I did see it. I think I did see it. I love um I love Jason Bateman. So was it based on the book? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think I did see it. Nothing to see here is the name of the new book. Mm. And uh yeah, and so he signed it and I I I was like fangirling over you. So hopefully that oh. means he called his agent and was like, "Get Therese right now." Oh, that's so well, he requested me for Perfect Little World after Family Fang and it was just so sweet, so kind. And I did a little speaking out at a library near where he lives. He isn't he up in Tennessee or somewhere in the I don't know. Mountain. He's yeah, he's he's in a little town out there, and he's like, "Well, the library's about six hours from my wife and I, but thanks so much for the invite." <laughs> wow, in spirit. Yeah, so sweet, so sweet. Yeah. Anyway, well, Perfect Little World that. is a, is an odd book, and um, mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. It's about this kind of compound where people have moved to raise their children in this communal but ideal. Mm-hmm place and uh it's 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 definitely a little offbeat he's got like you said a great imagination so oh amazing yeah i thought that was a great audiobook so anyway if you want to check out therese's work there's 400 plus books go to audible (laughs) search for therese and uh check her out thanks gail you're welcome thanks nicole all right having you Thank you. It was amazing. I'll talk books with you guys anytime. Oh, we'd love it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks to our listeners for listening as always. And we appreciate your feedback. So please let us know what you think of the show and what you'd like us to cover, what books you're reading and leave us a review. And most importantly, tell your friends about us so that more people can get involved with this conversation. So until next time, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com and me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.